morning, friends. Uh, gift to worship with you. And those of you watching online, uh, whether you're joining us from Facebook, from newlife.nyc, on YouTube, uh, a gift to worship with you. My name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor here at New Life. And if this is your first time here, uh, just welcome, just a gift to worship with you. At the end of our service, uh, I'll be downstairs actually, usually I'm in the lobby area, this time I'll be in, in the shell room, our pastors will be in the lobby. So if you've never met us before, uh, if this is your first time here, please make your way to us. Uh, we'd love to get to know you before uh, you head out of the building. The reason I'll be in the shell room is, uh, we mentioned last week I'll be doing a book signing for a book that was released a couple of weeks ago that I wrote uh, called Good and Beautiful and Kind, uh, Becoming Whole in a Fractured World. And so I uh, look forward to connecting with some of you down there. A uh, number of people were asking me after the first service uh, why uh, that title. And that title emerges out of a poem from the African-American poet Langston Hughes. And Langston Hughes wrote a poem called Tired. And it goes like this. He says, I am so tired of waiting, aren't you, for the world to become good and beautiful and kind. Let us take a knife and cut the world in two and see what worms are eating at the rind. And when Hughes uh, names that uh, good and beautiful and kind in that poem, he's getting at the longing and the aching, the aches of our soul. We long for goodness. We long for beauty. We long for a world that's marked by kindness, and yet there are some things in our world that are eating away at goodness and beauty and kindness. It's the worms of our society. And so he says, let's take, a, let's take a knife and cut the world in two. And when he says that, he's not talking about we need greater division in our world. It's not the language of division. It's the language of depth. Until we can get beneath the surface of our lives to identify the worms that are keeping us from living into goodness and beauty and kindness... We will not live the kind of lives that uh, really God invites us into. And so uh, look forward to connecting with some of you down there, and hopefully uh, it'll be a gift to you. And just so you know, when I write books, I write books really out of pastoral concern for our community. Uh, I'm sure others can eavesdrop into the conversation I'm having with a lot of new lifers over the years, but uh, my hope is that this book would really resonate within our community as the Lord moves us towards goodness, uh, beauty, and kindness. And so along Along those lines today, we're going to be focusing on something connected to that uh, as we are focusing on the ways that the Holy Spirit produces fruit in our lives, specifically the fruit of gentleness, the fruit of gentleness. Uh, last week, Pastor Red talked about the power of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit wants to encounter us and transform us and that we have to be open to the, the suddenly moments of the Holy Spirit. The ways that God encounters us and can change us in a given moment. And yet, what God also wants to do in us, you could argue fundamentally wants to do in us, is to produce something in us. To form something in us. The character of Christ flowing through our lives, specifically as we see in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so Galatians chapter 5, we're going to be in verse 22. I'll read you this, this really collage of, of different manifestations of fruit from the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to really focus on that one word, uh, gentleness here. But uh, Galatians 5, verse 22, hear the word of the Lord. Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, 
Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Focus on that word there. The, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is gentleness. It's one of the manifestations of fruit of the Holy Spirit. And God wants to form gentleness deeply in our souls this day. So let's invite the Holy Spirit to give us everything we need as we come under the hearing and of the, really the authority of Holy Scripture this day. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your presence in this place. And now through the power of your spirit, would you give us ears to hear what you want us to hear, eyes to see what you want us to see, and a heart to receive all you have for us this day. We pray these things in Christ's name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. When I think about gentleness, I often think about a story that was told by the great writer Henry Nouwen. Henry Nouwen uh, wrote a story about a man who would meditate by the Ganges River and by a tree. And as he meditated from time to time, uh, he would see these animals and insects that would uh, just come near him as he was praying. And one day as he was meditating, a scorpion uh, was floating helplessly on the water right next to him. And Nowen says that this man extended his hand to try to help the scorpion who seemed to be floating on the river. And so as he extended his hand, the scorpion stung him. And the first time, he just pulled back in great pain. After a couple of moments later, he decides to extend his hand a second time to try to rescue this scorpion. And again, the scorpion stung him in the finger and his hand began to bleed and his face began to contort with pain. And so after a few moments, again, he wanted to extend his hand a third time to try to rescue this scorpion when a a man passing by said, hey, stupid old man. The man must have been from New York. Hey, stupid old man. And, and, And he says, don't you know that you could kill yourself trying to save that ungrateful scorpion. Only a fool would risk his life for the sake of that ugly, evil creature. To which the man turned to the passerby and said, My friend, just because it is the scorpion's nature to sting doesn't change my nature to save. Just because it is the scorpion's nature to sting doesn't change my nature to save. Now, I hope you walk out of this sermon without this sermon application that, oh, God wants me to rescue scorpions, and so let me, let me do that. Don't try this at home. However, the metaphor is appropriate for our day. We live in an age. We live in a world. We live in a society. We live in a city in which there's a lot of stinging going on. We sting each other in our families. We sting each other in the workplace. We sting each other in church. We sting each other on social media. There's a lot of stinging that's going on in our world. And the invitation for us in this day is, will we be people who do not sting others in return? Can we be people who are marked by gentleness? And this is really what the Apostle Paul is trying to get at in our souls this day and what the Holy Spirit is trying to get at in our soul. And yet, nothing sounds more foreign to us city dwellers. Because you're not going to get far in the world, our city says, the world says, if your life is marked by gentleness. Not much happens in your life from a worldly perspective if you're marked by gentleness. When we play basketball, before we play in the parks and all that, and we get in the huddle, no one says, one, two, three, gentleness. I I mean, that's not going to get us anywhere. 
No, one, two, three, kill them. You know, kill them, destroy them, obliterate them. When we go on the train uh, during rush hour, gentleness will get you nowhere. <laughs> when you're at the airport yesterday, I made the bad decision of flying out of Los Angeles International Airport, LAX, just a horrific experience, horrific experience. Now, we're not too good ourselves, okay? And so let me be humble here. JFK and LGA, we have our own troubles, lots of them. But I'm used to these kinds of dysfunctions. You know what I'm saying? But I was on the West Coast, and I'm thinking, this is awful. And what happened yesterday was they had booked two flights at the same gate that was supposed to depart at the same time, 12.55 and 1 p.m. And we're thinking, this is not going to go well. And so it's packed, it's packed, it's packed. And then out of nowhere, the person says, for this flight that's heading to JFK, your flight is no longer gate 21. Your gate is now 23A. And what did everyone do? They got up, and I was the first one throwing elbows out of the way, old man. Boom. You know what I mean? And I got to get over there first. I didn't kick the guy. No, I, 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 just, I wanted to, uh, but, 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 but I didn't. We are trained in our culture that if you're going to survive, if you're going to thrive, you better be aggressive. If you're going to thrive, you need to be harsh when necessary. If you're going to thrive, you better not be gentle. You're not going to get anywhere in this world being gentle. And yet in the kingdom of God, it flips the script. If you're going to get anywhere in the kingdom of God, it's going to be, be because of gentleness. This is what Paul is getting at. And, and the question we need to be asking ourselves is, what do we mean when we say gentleness? Now, when Paul talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, he's getting at an aspect of Christianity that we must remember over and over and over again. That the Holy Spirit just doesn't want to encounter us in particular ways here or there. The Holy Spirit wants to produce something in us. Produce the very character of Jesus Christ. But fruit takes time to grow. Amen. Gifts are given, fruit is grown. Gifts are given instantaneously. When God gives us a gift, he doesn't give it to us because we earn it. God gives us freely gifts of the Holy Spirit, not because we merit it, not because we're good, not because we've earned it. God gives us gifts, not because we're good. God gives gifts because God is good. Amen. But the Holy Spirit's fruit is something that's grown, which is why we must remember not to confuse gifts with fruit. It's oftentimes people want the gifts of the Spirit to do quickly what the fruit of the Spirit is meant to do slowly. Pastor Rich, can you pray that I have the gift of patience? Uh, that's probably not going to happen because that stuff grows slowly over time. And so gentleness is not something that's going to happen just in a moment. Gentleness is a lifetime of work. Gentleness is slow. Gentleness, the fruit of the Spirit, grows in the soil of abiding prayer. It's something that's slow. It's something that unfolds over the course of our lives. And Paul says that this fruit is to be cultivated not just for our own personal blessing, but for the wholeness, for the blessing of the world around us. 
Now, what do we mean when we say gentleness? It's often when we think of gentleness, we think of passivity. We think of someone who might be uh, weak in the world, someone who doesn't stand up to what's wrong in our society. But you cannot think about gentleness in those ways because gentleness, as we see here, is a manifestation of the character of Jesus Christ. And Jesus was anything but passive. Jesus spoke very strongly against what was wrong in the world. Jesus, when it came to being an advocate for the poor, Jesus was strong. When it came to speaking up for children, Jesus was strong. When it came to rebuking religious leaders who were taking advantage of poor people and marginalized, vulnerable people, Jesus was very strong. Gentleness is not uh, letting go of our power. Gentleness is not recognizing our power. What is gentleness? At its core, gentleness is power under control. That's gentleness. It's power under control. To be gentle doesn't mean we lack power. To be gentle recognizes the power that we have. And, and, and we ask the Holy Spirit to help us keep that power under control. Gentleness means that although I have the capacity to crush someone, I treat others with care, with dignity. This is a good word for us parents. I sometimes forget the capacity I have to negatively impact my children through my words, through my actions. And that God invites me to be gentle, to recognize power, power under control. This is a good word for us on social media. Where we know what it's like to, to write something that's hurtful to someone. But gentleness is power under control. This is a good word for us, for those who are leaders, those who have people under our care. That our actions, our deeds, our words can cause great harm. Gentleness is power under control. And we are invited by Paul and by the Holy Spirit here to live in this way. And this is so countercultural because we live in a society that's not gentle. Our world system is permeated by an angry, aggressive, attacking ethos. Social media is anything but gentle, politics is anything but gentle, conversations on religion and theology are anything but gentle. And this spirit often infiltrates the church. You know, you'd be hard-pressed to walk down Queens Boulevard and ask people who don't come to church, what's the first word that you think of when you think about the church? 99 out of 10 times, you're probably not going to hear the word gentle. We might hear judgmental. It sounds the same. We might hear judgmental, but we're probably not going to hear the word gentle. And what a far cry from the gospel this is. I think about the words of the great writer Ron Roheiser. Ron Roheiser said that there's a cruel, this is a cruel thing to say, but all this angry zeal and passion, no matter how high the cost which fuels it, is not a sign that truth and the gospel are breaking through. When truth and the gospel break through, the first mark is compassion, gentleness, not anger. And yet it's easy to be formed in the way of this world system for various reasons. I grew up in a neighborhood in Brooklyn that trained me not to be gentle. Trained me, if you're going to survive, you better have your fist clenched. If you're going to survive, you better be ready at a moment to attack. 
If you're going to survive, you better have a hard exterior, no matter where you are, no matter where you go. And that stuff has been permeated my soul. I grew up in Brooklyn, in East New York, having, you know, I got trained uh, to walk with a bop, okay, with a particular walk in the neighborhood as a way of saying, don't mess with me, okay, don't, don't mess. And it was a bop. I mean, just a little, a Brooklyn bop, you know what I'm saying? I just, just, walk, I just walking down the street, okay, just walking down the street. And that bop was in me. No matter where I went growing up, the bop was in me. I remember working my first job at uh, 120 Broadway at, at a municipal bond company. I was the mail guy, and I, was, and I had my mail cart, and, but I mailed with the bop, you know, just walking through the area. And I never forgot some white guy say, Richard, something wrong with your leg? And I thought this was... It was the bop. It was the bop, all right? I'm formed. I've been formed not to live gently. If you're going to survive, you better be angry, you better be aggressive, and when necessary, you better attack. And yet Paul says there's something about gentleness that is the mark of someone who's following Jesus, who, whose fruit is being manifested in our lives. And so we, we, we see gentleness in Jesus, don't we? In Jesus' life, we see gentleness permeating his ministry. When the religious leaders would marginalize, Jesus would show mercy. When the religious leaders competed, Jesus showed compassion. When the religious leaders would try to control, Jesus would liberate and free. The very incarnation of God speaks of how gentle God is. When God comes on the scene in the incarnation, he doesn't come like the Terminator, guns blazing. He comes as an infant. As a gentle being, the, God's very essence is gentleness. God's very being is gentleness. Throughout Jesus' public ministry, whenever those who were sick, whenever those who were marked by their sin came to him, he was so gentle to them. We see this most profoundly in the story of the prodigal son, a story of, of a father who has two sons, and the younger son says, give me my stuff. I want to spend it however I want to. And he goes away into a far land, wastes the inheritance money, experiences hunger. There's a famine in the land, comes back and says, maybe I can live in my father's servant's house. And as he walks back home with a speech in his mouth and, and ready to live anywhere, his father's waiting for him with his chancleta in his hand, ready to bust him up. No, the story doesn't say that. The story says that the father is waiting for him with a robe and with a ring for his finger. And embraces him, throws a party for him. This is the gentleness of the kingdom of God. The gentleness of our God. And so as, as, we, as we hear that word gentleness, this is something that the Holy Spirit wants to produce in us. I want to offer a couple of invitations for us to wrestle with. As we think about gentleness and what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to have this fruit produced in our lives... There are two particular avenues that I want us to keep in mind, specifically this week. If we're going to follow Jesus in this way, we have to first of all think about what it means to be gentle with others. Gentle with others. To be a gentle person means that we recognize the fragility of the people around us. That we are all fragile people. 
to one degree or another, we're all fragile. And all of us have power, whether we know it or not, to crush. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are. Whenever Christmas comes around and we're starting to put the ornaments up for years, I've had to tell Nathan, be gentle with the ornaments. These things are fragile. And he's broken a whole lot of them over the years. Be gentle. You don't know your power. You can crush these things. And in some ways, whether we like to admit it or not, we're all like these ornaments. We're a lot more fragile than we think. As a matter of fact, those who have the hardest exteriors are often the most fragile. Those who are the most, the hardest on the outside, the ones who don't mess with that person there, those are the people who are often the most fragile because they've created such an exterior, a hard exterior to keep them from getting hurt from another person. We are all to some degree or another very fragile and we are invited to treat one another with gentleness. This is why Paul later on in Galatians would say, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. To be gentle means that we are safe to be around. To be gentle means that we recognize that the people that we are in relationship with often have unresolved issues that have not been tended to, that require our discernment and our gentleness. I think of a conversation, there's this theologian named Stanley Harawas. He had a conversation with a dear friend of his in, in which he noticed that he, the way he responded to people that he was in conflict with differed from how his friend approached the situation. And he summarized their differences in this way. He says, whenever I'm in conflict with someone, whenever I see someone in which we're not seeing eye to eye on something, on something, he says, when I see someone, I see an enemy to be defeated, whereas my friend sees a wound that needs to be healed. I see an enemy that needs to be defeated. He sees a wound that needs to be healed. What if... Our interactions with others were marked in this way, where we're not necessarily seeing enemies, but we're seeing wounds. Now, as a pastor, I've had to have over 14 years at New Life, I've had plenty of conflicts with people in our congregation, plenty of various conflicts. Over 14 years, that's what's going to happen in a community. And so, first of all, let's just normalize. That's what's going to happen. If you're with each other for a long time, you're going to have conflict. Listen, I have conflict with myself. Amen. And so, uh, chances are I'm going to have conflict with you as well. And so, there was one congregate in particular that I was just having conflict over conflict with. It seems like every year there were at least three to four different moments where oh, we got to have another conversation here. And I remember as I was into like the, the fourth conflict of the year, about to have another sit-down conversation, I was just, I, I was just, I, I lost it. I'm thinking this, I, 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 I'm going to set this person straight now. Four times in a year, that's enough. And as I'm on Queens Boulevard driving, I get a phone call from one of our pastors. And one of our pastors say, hey, Rich, where you at? I'm going into the office to meet with this person. Fourth time in about six months. This is going to be something here. And the pastor began to ask me a question. One of our pastors on staff said, well, do you know about so-and-so's story? And I said, no, do you know the amount of loss and trauma that this person has experienced? 
And I said, not at all. And, and he began to tell me about loss after loss after loss from childhood that had not been tended to. And I want to tell you something. By the end of that, it might have been a three-minute conversation. Something shifted in my soul towards this person. It's not that I was not creating more boundaries in terms of what was acceptable and what was not acceptable. But my heart, my disposition towards this person was a lot different than it was before that conversation. Because I saw wound after wound after wound that was never tended to. And I have an opportunity right now to be gentle with this person in my response. There's so much wounding and woundedness in our world. So much wounding and woundedness in our society. And a word of gentleness and an act of gentleness can melt away even the hardest of hearts. It reminds me of that prophetic and classic movie called Moana. Uh, just a <laughs> prophetic. I was at Disney for a couple of days this past week, and so excuse me if I'm a little bit like uh, Disneyfied here. Uh, uh, I love the story. There, there's this antagonist in this film named Taka. And uh, Taka is this antagonist. She was once this benevolent, just island goddess named Tefiti, but her heart was stolen by the demigod Maui, a wonderful story. And, and she becomes this destructive lava demon, okay? Destruct There's a lot of lava demons in our city. Destructive lava demon. And at the end of the movie, Boana returns the heart of Tefiti. And, and what we find is this, this outer manifestation begins to crumble because of an act of gentleness. And the hard exterior begins to, to, to crumble to what we see, the, the return of the true self, of who this island goddess was. And I was watching it with my children, uh, you know, a number of months ago. I just start crying. I, I cry for everything, okay? You have to understand that. I cry for everything. But I was crying for real this time. I just, why? Because I, I, gentleness, there's something about gentleness that can heal the world. Something about gentleness that can heal our relationships. Something about gentleness that can heal our society. Now to talk about, and here's my hope. My hope for us as a community is that New Life Fellowship will be marked by gentleness. That when people come into our church, they experience gentleness. That when people come into our small groups that meet throughout the city, they experience gentleness. It doesn't mean that we don't talk about holiness. It doesn't mean that we don't talk about being faithful to scripture. It doesn't mean that we don't talk about living in the way of Jesus and, and hungering after justice and righteousness. But it means the way we do these things are marked by gentleness. Are you the kind of person that people gravitate towards? Because you're gentle. Are you the kind of person that people feel safe around to confess their sins, to confess their struggles? 
Are you the kind of person that when they see you, they go, oh, I got to let this person know exactly what's going on in my life because I know they are a safe space. They are a safe person. They are a gentle presence. We are invited in this passage and in this fruit of the Holy Spirit to be gentle with others. But we are also invited, secondly, to be gentle with ourselves, to live and have the fruit of the Holy Spirit manifesting in our lives requires us to be gentle with ourselves. One of the saddest realities that often happens in the church is that we have a way of proclaiming the gospel good news to others and never apply it to ourselves. Good news for you, it doesn't apply to me. Forgiveness for you, my sin is too deep. Grace for you, I still have to work it out. It's very easy for us to proclaim good news for others and not apply that same news to ourselves. Many of us have standards for ourselves that are impossible to meet. Expectations for ourselves that no one can live up to. And whenever we don't live up to these things, we are so harsh with ourselves, condemning towards ourselves, overly critical with ourselves. I think about this lengthy quote from one of my favorite authors, Brendan Manning. He says, one of the most shocking contradictions of Christian living is the intense dislike many disciples of Jesus have for themselves. They are more displeased, impatient, irritated, and unforgiving and spiteful with their own shortcomings than they would ever dream of being with someone else's. They are fed up with themselves, sick of their own mediocrity, disgusted by their own inconsistency, bored by their own monotony. They would never judge any of other of God's children with the savage self-condemnation with which they crush themselves. And through experiencing the relentless tenderness of Jesus, we first learn to be gentle with ourselves. Gentle with ourselves. Over the years, I've had to learn what it means to be gentle with myself. Because I'm often my own worst critic. I have standards and expectations that I don't meet. And often have this internalized message flowing in my brain. You're not good. You'll never be good enough. And these are the messages that often God wants us to pay attention to, to apply the gospel for ourselves. When I think about this, I think of something I've tried to do. I've led many of you through what I call this reaction inventory, a reaction inventory. That is that there are moments in our lives when something happens and we disproportionately respond to it, maybe with anger, with shame. Something happens, a critical remark that we receive, we fail in a particular way, And we have this disproportionate response that rises up in us. What do we do in those moments of failure, shame, embarrassment? And I've done, whenever I experience this, which is, you know, once every 10 days or so uh, where something happens, where I have to pay attention to what's happening inside of me. And there are five very simple questions that I ask. Whenever I find a disproportionate reaction to failure, to criticism... I remember a couple of years ago, I had posted something on social media and a nationally known leader that I have so much respect for direct messaged me with a word of criticism. It was gentle criticism, but it was criticism, very gentle though. 
And this is a person that I really respect in our nation as a leader. And the person sent me this email or this message on social media with just some possible ways to rethink what I said. And my first response to reading that message was to close the laptop forcefully and say, who do you think you are? I probably said something a little bit more intense than that, but who do you think you are? (laughs) And after a few moments, I was just wallowing in my own sense of shame, embarrassment, a disproportion. And and whenever that happens to me, I I tend to go in a hole. To, to myself, but because I had been at that moment practicing these five questions that I've learned to ask myself, it's not that I don't go into the hole, it's just I don't stay there as long as I used to. And five simple questions, I don't have it on the screen, but I want to invite you maybe to capture this paper, phone, whatever, but, but here's five questions I ask myself to cultivate gentleness towards myself. I ask, what happened? What am I feeling? What's the story I'm telling myself? What's the gospel say? And what's the counter-instinctual act that's required of me in this moment? What happened? What am I feeling? What's the story I'm telling myself? What's the gospel say? What's the counter-instinctual act that's required? I'll show you how this played out in my own life. What happened? A person I really respect criticized me. What am I feeling? Deep shame. What's the story I'm telling myself? I'll never be the kind of pastor, writer, Christian that I want to be. What's the gospel say? God only uses broken, weak, failing people. That's only who God uses. And what's the counter-instinctual act that's required of me in this moment? For me, it's always externalizing the shame I'm feeling inside. For me, I can go deep into my own hole. And what it meant in that moment was for me to talk to Rosie or me to talk to a friend and say, this is the shame that I'm feeling right now in this moment. And allow them to pronounce a word of God's gentleness over me. But here's the truth of our lives. It's easy to offer gentleness to others. And not receive it for ourselves. And so to cultivate the fruit of gentleness in our lives is to apply it to ourselves. Why? Because we follow a Messiah who's been gentle to us. Our Lord Jesus Christ is gentle towards us. Gentle towards you. Think for a moment of your failures. Think for a moment of your sin. Think for a moment of your inconsistency. Think for a moment of your good days and your bad days. And all of these things, our Lord Jesus Christ has been gentle towards us because his very essence is gentleness. In Matthew 28, Jesus says it this way. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, burdened by our own self-condemnation, burdened by our own weariness, burdened by the expectations and the demands that we cannot keep for ourselves, burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Why? For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Receive the gentleness of Jesus Christ over your life today. That in spite of our inconsistencies, 
He remains gentle to us. And it is this gentleness that we receive. It is to be the gentleness that we offer to others around us. And when you know the depth of your own need for God's gentleness, it produces in you more of a capacity to offer that gentleness to those around us. Last week, I was, I was in Los Angeles. I was preaching, and b- before the service, I met with someone who was uh, going to be advancing the PowerPoint slides and all that we see on the screen, uh, the, a holy calling from God, a very holy calling from God. And it was this, first t- this person's first time volunteering in this role. And so I said, how do you feel? And she said, I'm very nervous about this. I'm just, I'm just very nervous. I said, I said you're going to be great. Don't worry about it. You'll, you'll be great. And, and if there's something that messes up, don't, no one's going to even know. Don't worry, worry about it. You're going to be great. At the, end of the conversa- at the end of the service, I went up to her. I said, how was it? And she said, I, I made some mistakes here and there, but, but overall it was good. But, but, but now I'm living, she said, with greater humility and gentleness because for years I've come to this church and I've judged the person who does not get the slides right. <laughs> Go to the next verse. Go to the next verse. Go to the next verse. And she said, I have judged whoever's back there over and over and over. I will never judge them again. Because I know what it's like to be there now. You see, when you, when you recognize your own need for gentleness and mercy and grace, it produces in us greater humility. God has been gentle to you, kind to you, compassionate to you, merciful to you, forgiving to you. And God wants to produce that fruit in our lives that we may offer it to those around us in the world. Imagine how your family would be healed if gentleness pervaded it. Imagine how our church and our small groups would be healed if gentleness pervaded it. Imagine how our city, our nation, our world would be healed if gentleness pervaded it. And that is the way of the kingdom of God. Allowing the fruit of the Holy Spirit to flow through our lives, not just for our own blessing, but for the blessing and the healing and the wholeness of the world around us. As we receive it, may we offer it to the world. Amen. Let's pray together. Let me invite you to close your eyes for a moment. I have two very simple questions for you. To whom is God calling you to be gentle towards? I know what you're thinking. Pastor Rich, I didn't come to church for this sermon. To whom... Who is God calling you to be gentle towards? And maybe it is for someone living in your home. Maybe it is for someone in your neighborhood, on your job. Someone you connect with on social media. Maybe it's for yourself. Can you receive the gentleness of Jesus this day? The very gentleness that's available to us. The very gentleness that God wants to produce in us. Lord Jesus, you were crushed on our behalf. 
and you offer gentleness. As you're being crucified, you offer a word of forgiveness. May that gentleness be ours. May we recognize power under control. May we see the fragility of our own lives and the fragility of those around us. May our very lives be a healing presence. Form us, Lord Jesus, in the way of the Spirit, in the way of the kingdom of God. We sing to you now words of praise, words of worship. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, let's all stand, let's sing together.
been gentle to us in Jesus Christ. And as we have received God's gentleness, may we be people filled with the Holy Spirit. It's often the case people think of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's all a very narrow way. And we think of particular manifestations of the Spirit, which we talked about last week, and we receive them. We receive the gifts of power. We receive the suddenly moments of the Holy Spirit. But to be filled with the Holy Spirit also means that gentleness flows from our lives. That when we see someone who's living tenderly in the world, gently in the world, we go, that's someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit. And may it be said of our lives that we are living gentle lives. Let's have our prayer team come to my, to my right. One of the ways that we live gently towards one another is by praying for one another. We all come in here with challenges. Some of you came to church today. Some of you watching online. You came in here with relational challenges, spiritual difficulties, psychological challenges, physical difficulty, and we want to pray for you. We want to extend our hands towards you as a sign of God's gentleness in your life. The God who cares for us. The God who is kind towards us in Jesus Christ. And so for whatever need you have, for whatever relationship might be fractured, for whatever internal challenges you're having, we want to pray for you. So uh, at the end of our blessing, I'll, I'll offer a blessing. Just feel free to come forward to receive a word of prayer. Also want to invite some of you in this room, some of you watching online, you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You've never said, Lord, I want to, Jesus, I want to follow you. Okay? Forgive me of my sins. I want the fruit of the Holy Spirit to flow in my life. I want to live with a sense of hope. I want to live with a sense of joy and with peace in this world. And I can't do it myself. Can you do it in me? And maybe you've been trying in your own efforts to do it, but you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. Maybe someone invited you to church. Maybe someone sent you this link to watch online, and you're sensing God calling your name. And if you're sensing this something in your soul that's moving you towards God, you can either come up for prayer. You can also text this phrase, yes to Jesus, to that number on the screen, 718-424-424. 0122. One of our pastors would love to follow up with you and help you begin or continue your journey in your relationship with God. But wherever you are in the journey, we want to help you take the next step in your spiritual life. As we close, let me open, invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. We'll have a sermon discussion time at the end of the service as well for those of you watching online. And so if you want to have a conversation, one of our pastors will be hosting that space. And so feel free to join at the link that's provided uh, on, our, on our site there. At the end of our gathering here, we have our CDC uh, info session. You know, there's a health center tour. Many of you have come to our church and you've never seen our health center. A health center that offers dental care, pediatric care, social work. I mean, it's one of the things I'm most proud of, of our church and the ways that we have been gentle towards our neighbors in our society, in, our, in, in Queens, in Elmhurst. 
as they come through our doors. And so feel free to go through that door if you'd like to go through the shell room or you can feel free to go through the exit there and head to the shell room to check that out, what was going, what's going on with our CDC or go in the yellow room where you can learn more about other opportunities to connect. And I'll be downstairs in the shell room as well um, signing books. And so if you're new here, I'm usually in the lobby area shaking hands. But if we've never met, you don't have to buy a book. Just come up to me. I'd love to meet you before uh, you head out, especially if this is your first time. But with your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building and out of this online gathering in the power of the Holy Spirit. May the Holy Spirit produce gentleness in you. This week, may you be gentle with others and gentle with yourselves, knowing that God in Christ has been gentle towards you. I bless you all in the strong, in the beautiful, in the gentle name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Grace and peace to you all.